This is a HeadGum Podcast. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to another episode of Just a Tip, the podcast that's equally about its tangents as it is about its tips. I'm your host, Megan Batoon, and today I'm so very excited to bring back yet another guest who has been on probably four or five times by this point. One of my closest friends, someone who's inspired me before I even knew them, Brian McElhaney. I'm going to record now so that so that everyone can know that you just said I was the most disgusting woman that you've ever met. Yes. The first time I met you, I thought to myself, this is the most disgusting woman I've ever met in my entire <laughs> life. Not without good reason, too, by the way. One million percent. Well, I was eating, I think it was like a, probably like a chicken tender in like every, oh, you know, what? I did like a, you know, with uh, fountain drinks, they call it the suicide. The suicide. Yeah, yeah. You were doing it with like the sauces or something. <laughs> yeah, right. With like every syrup. I hop at 2 a.m. That's right. That was the last time I was up at 2 a.m. I know. Wow. You really presented a different version of you that night than yes. what you actually were. Wow. So yeah, I kind of bait and switched you, huh? Yeah, you really, you kind of catfished me. <laughs> With my personality? Yeah, totally. You're like, let's go dancing all night. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, my vibe. And then the rest <laughs> of the time it was like, hi, I go to bed at 6.30. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, you were just like vibing. You were in New York City. That's you were new- adrenalized. I have a t- I have two personalities. I have my normal personality and then I have my New York personality. I honestly don't even make that face because I no, have No, it's a- awesome. I get it. I, when I'm in New York, I kind of change a little bit more to my New York personality. What is your New York pers- personality? What we're just talking about. Kind of like a little more wild, a little more up all night, a little bit more like searching for adventure. I mean, I have it here, but this place doesn't provide it. So it's Los like, Angeles doesn't provide adventure. Is that what you're saying? Yes. In- <laughs> <laughs> Very strongly. Oh, oh wow. No, okay. it does. It, it, Nick said it best one time. He's like, in New York, you get about five chances to make your night great. In LA, you get one. That, okay, so Nick said that. Nick Kocher. Because you told me that, and yeah. then I have been saying I just, that forever. I just pass off uh, things Nick says as my own sometimes. I, and I pass off what you say as my own. Really? Other things yeah, too? So like, this so is amazing. Literally, like, what I say is just like a Nick Kocher, um, like telephone. Yeah. Game. Nick Kocher telephone <laughs> through you. And then eventually gets back to Nick and he's like, what? Like I would, say, said this? I would say to Nick, like, right. yeah, Los Angeles, you get one chance. New York, you get five. <laughs> what if I said that to him? Would he be like, mm-bling? yeah, he'd be like, okay. So for listeners at home, <laughs> Megan kind of became a little cartoon character where you go and your eyes pop up like the ding. <laughs> Which we do to each other. I don't know. We just started doing that all the time. You bring out the silly in me. I do that with a lot of people. Which is so great. And I love, what do you think that is? Because I I get silly around, 
I'm not silly with everyone. If I don't feel comfortable, I really become not Same. silly. But I, there have been many people in my life that have told me they're like, I'm not silly with anyone. Mm. But for you, I feel very comfortable being silly. And it's my favorite compliment I ever get because it's exactly what I want to create in people. Because mm -hmm. I think it's, my theory is that I, I create a safe space, a, a kind of a non-judgmental space for people to be weird. Cause I just kind of know everyone's super weird and silly deep down. Yeah. And I think the reason we often don't express that is because you know, we feel like we have to be buttoned up a little bit or also be judged. And I think maybe I offer myself being silly or I, I somehow ex show that I don't, ha I won't, I will play with you if you do that. And so I think yeah. that's uh, the inviting nature. I don't really know though, but that's but what I think. But I wonder how you do that. How do you cultivate a safe space for people to yeah. be who they are? I don't know. Cause it's not like I sit you down and go like, listen, I will not judge you. I will. Like, what do I do? Like I think maybe when, you just when start I enter being a space, silly. I, th I think I just sort of maybe show it first and yeah. then show you like, look, I'm, I'm here. I'm letting you judge me. And if you don't look, obviously that means that I'm going to, not judge you probably if you, you know, act in the same way. So yeah, you know, do your thing. You know, what's interesting though. Like I think I took that course of action with vulnerability, but it didn't like do the same thing. Tell me what you mean. Like I would start to be vulnerable right away so that people would know that they can be vulnerable around Just me. Just with people in general. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like a, instead of a, some sort of icebreaker, it was kind of like, Hey, I'm open about my everything. Right, and right. I think that led to a little bit of oversharing. Mm -hmm. And at one point I think that some people I mean, this says more about them than it does about me, but I think some people were like, oh, this person is like not okay. Or like, she's super insecure. Right. And it's like, well, I was just saying I was insecure because I'm being honest and open. So you could tell me you're insecure and we can be insecure together. Yeah, yeah. you have to kind of, when you first start trying to do it, you're not going to be great at it. You'll yeah. be like, uh, and then I'm mad at my dad. Nice to meet you. And people will be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to be vulnerable. I'm new at this. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, I think you find ways to kind of like sneak it in. Because at first, yes, it can look very much. My, I remember my therapist a couple of years ago, was talk, I was talking about how I had such trouble expressing my anger. It was always a big thing with me. Like I was so kind and I wanted people to like me. And what happened was I would keep my anger deep down mm. and it would explode in the wrong places at the wrong times. And it would just be very, I don't think you ever got it, but I had a lot of people I dated and friends of mine kind of get these like weird outbursts of anger that made no sense. Mm. And my therapist one time was like, okay, here's your homework for the week. Anytime anyone kind of triggers you or anytime something happens and you feel something's unfair, say it. And here's the thing, Brian, it's going to be really awkward. You're going to be very bad at it. And you're going to tell them, hey, my therapist gave me permission to do this. Please take it up with her if uh, <laughs> this is weird. But I'm trying this for the first time and I'm not very good at expressing this. And I wasn't. It was so weird for me to be like, okay, the thing you just said, I'm actually, it's like making me mad. I don't want to say that right now, but I'm furious at you. And yeah. also, and they'd be like, whoa, 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 what's happening with you? And I'm like, I'm expressing my anger and I'm not good at it yet. And so it's, I'm like, I'm in the first stages of it. So if like perhaps you're entering a world of being vulnerable, it's probably the same type of thing where you're like, oh, I want to like introduce a space where I'm a vulnerable person and someone else can be if they see me. But if you're just trying it for the first time, they're going to be a little rocky mm -hmm. in the way you do it. And just know like you'll get through it, but just keep, it's like when you want to be a really funny person, like everyone you've ever met who's really funny, they were not funny for a long. The reason they're funny is they told a lot of jokes that didn't work over and over again. And they started wow. realizing what was funny and what wasn't. Oh my God. They just cared a lot as a kid about being funny. And so we just tried a fuck ton of stuff. And so now we're at a place where we just kind of know what's funny and what's not a little bit easier. And people who start being funny now, 
like people who just sort of get into humor a little bit later can feel really discouraged. And it's like, no, no, you're just in the rocky first step of it. It's just like, you're just playing trial and error with it. That's how I felt for the majority of my early YouTube videos. I didn't, I loved comedy, but I didn't know what my voice was. I didn't know anything. And so I would like write all of, I would write almost every YouTube video and like write all these puns because it was like the easiest because I, my brain works in a way that like I, it loves puns. It loves anything that's clever, anything that has like dual meanings. Oh no, I'm going to weird little glitch here. Um, it, my brain loves stuff like that. So when I was young and didn't know what I was doing, I would think energy was funny. So Mm -hmm. I would like yell a lot because I thought that that was funny. I know. Oh my. We had coffee last week and you yelled loser and fuck you at me. (laughs) (laughs) Just outdoor coffee shop twice. Those are terms of endearment. I know they are. It was amazing. (laughs) Loser. Loser. (laughs) No, because you were saying that you don't have any tattoos. And then I called you a loser. (laughs) You yelled at me, call me a loser. (laughs) But I feel like. I don't know. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I just try too hard. And then I realize that, oh, when I don't try hard, and that's what I learned on my show too. I literally saw myself, like when I'm trying to be a version of myself or present myself as funny or smart or whatever, I become the anti mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And that's so backwards. Yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. This is something as a comedian, Every comedian I've ever met kind of starts out emulating the people that they love. Mm -hmm. And if that's just not who you are, it's not going to work. And it's like, it takes a while to find, when people say find your voice, a lot of people are like, I know my voices, I'm I'm me. But really what you don't even realize you're doing is you are emulating other people doing what they thought was funny or whatever you do and you're interesting or creative. Or if you're a painter, you might emulate a style or something. And that's what getting on stage is so helpful for an audience will tell you mm-hmm. if you're able to scream and be funny or if you're able to be like kind of shy and be funny or if you're able to be just like a doofy goofball. And if you, you'll probably try it and you'll notice like audiences aren't laughing at you, but then mm-hmm. someone else does the same material and they do. And it's like, there's just in a, a way that which you are because people know kind of who you actually are at your core. And when you're being, if you're acting in sort of, opposition to that to try to like sound cool or like express something and people can kind of see that dissonance in you it's going to be really fucking weird and so that's why it's like important to try a lot of things but also be listening to how your body and how people respond to you doing it because that will that will guide you into what you actually kind of are in them but what about in the digital age where there is no live audience, like do you, what, what would you do if you were say in my position or in, in right. anybody that starts on the internet that doesn't have that kind of like immediate feedback? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't really know what, it, I guess it first depends on what you're doing exactly. Like, like, cause I was on the internet, but it was a little, I was in a duo and we were performing. You're sketching. We were sketching. We're sketching. We're sketching. We're sketching. <laughs> we're sketching around. Oh, you were just sketching. sketching. <laughs> Well, you guys would, you're, oh my God, I got to tell you like how much I loved your, still love your videos. Like speaking of, I wanted you on this podcast this time because Bo Burnham special just came out and we are obsessed with it. And I wanted to- Capital O obsessed. I I wanted to talk about it because Everyone in this industry is, it's kind of crazy. That's what I want. Okay. But we're going to get to that. But before, um, is, I just think that like, I don't remember being super inspired before 
the only person that can really inspire me now is Bo. But before that- I'm it, right here. Oh, it was your like, point to me. Exactly. So if you could <laughs> shut your mouth for a second and accept this compliment, that's choo-choo on its way. Before that- Choo-choo <laughs> on its way. It was Britannic. But like, now it's only, only Bo can do it. Okay, well, cool. That's what I heard. Where's your next sketch? Um, we're writing it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, where but, was Inside before a year ago? It didn't, it wasn't happening. It was, before, before Inside, Make Happy was like the thing I would always go right, to. Right. The, the feeling that- Bo and Britannic gave me is like, there's like a spark. Like it's truly like a spark of inspiration that I'm like, wow, this is genius. And I'm mad, but not, I'm more inspired and happy than I'm mad that I didn't do it. Right. I was going to ask you about that driving over. I was thinking about it because I I know both of us had this thing of like, and our buddy Ross was talking about how so many artists have gone through like jealousy, anger, Mm -hmm. and then like total acceptance. All the emotions. Inspired and then maybe angry again. And the thing for me about the Bo special, because I kind of thought I was past this idea of like jealousy of other artists. It turns out I'm not. Yes. <laughs> I'm human. But like for me, I, I have this like added layer, which is like I'm sort of like this lanky white guy comedian who does like satirical musical piano comedy. Right. and had a one man show about like me going kind of crazy in my own head. Yeah. So I was like, uh oh, like is there space for me? And then part of me was like, why is it like, why is Megan feeling this too? Because mm. like, if I was like, if someone came, if I saw like the most brilliant piece of art by a woman who is also a dancer and also an interior designer and she created some sort of like inspiring but funny like book or something. Yeah. And it was the most amazing thing. I'd be like, this is great. But I would totally get how you would be like, fuck. Totally. And I would be like, well, that's just a different person than me. So like why, when you see Bo's stuff, do you go, Cause I've never seen you like heading in the direction to make a special like that. Never. So it's like, what does that like jealousy come from? Even though it's not something you would even go down in I terms think, of that path. Yeah, that's a brilliant question. And I would never, ever, ever do or be able to. <laughs> One, I would never be able to do what he did. But I also would never want to. Like I I don't I don't want to do comedy. I don't want to sing or write. It's also music what at all. he made is not in your DNA. That's not how you view the world. It's right. not the it's not the what you'd want to give people in terms of their own the emotion you like try to evoke in your audience. Mm-hmm. It's a very different thing. Yeah, but I, I also think that like art has no bounds. Even though his medium was a little bit different, it still has the same feelings. It still gives me like, oh, this one person, this living person who's also 30 years old, who also got a start on the internet, super smart, super talented. We had the same amount of time and, and he creates something that's, you know, really important and poignant and like culturally criticizing and kind of like holding a mirror to everything that we're going through. It's like, oh, but what am I doing? You know? So I felt a little inadequate as an artist and inspired because I'm like, he did this by himself. He's, I don't know, even though we're not using the same brushes or canvases, it's still like, oh, I want to do something that's his stamp of genius. Yeah. I, I understand that. I think a lot of people have had this thing where it's like the amount of sheer effort and energy put into that special is so obvious and so obviously staggering that it's like, I've never put that amount of work into anything. Oh, no. And it's like, oh, I, no. And so am I not doing enough? It is one of those things where if you do break it down logically in your head, it is a little bit of an absurd thing to think about yourself uh, because it's like, you can go down this trap as an artist where it's like, this person made this, this person did this movie by the time they're 20, whatever. This person is like this famous and I'm this famous. Mm. But it's like, your whole life is such a collection of so many things that 
it's not just this one. For example, like I used to have this thing where I was so obsessed with like how Paul Thomas Anderson made Boogie Nights when he was 25 and Magnolia when he was 29. And I was like, I wanted to do that. And then I didn't do that. And I was like, fuck, I'm behind. He mm. did this genius thing. But it's like, I also did other things. And I also, I cultivated these relationships with these people. And I also like had this experience in my life and I traveled here. And it's like, it's so easy to be like, oh, they did this type of artistic piece. I haven't done an artistic piece like this. But Bo hasn't, you know, done a billion things that you have done that are mm. just other types of art. And he hasn't cultivated the types of relationships and he hasn't done the types of self work you've done in certain ways. And those are all things in life that are equally as important, but we have this thing where we per put certain types of accomplishments on pedestals as being more important or more of a successful thing than other things. And they're not, everything is equally as amazing in life, whether it's something that like, a billion people see and are inspired by, or if it's one conversation with a friend that they're inspired by, they're equally really big. We bring our own importance to something. It's everything's kind of neutral and we kind of make it as big or small as we need to. Right. And it's really easy to see someone else's art, especially because we've been told as like a society, how important like fame and like, right. Like, um, um, inspiring millions of people is, which it has its place. But I have to remind myself like, Oh, right. It's not that he did this thing and I didn't do anything is that he did this thing. And I did a bunch of other things that right. was my life. And you know, it's easier said than metabolized in your body. Like every, it's easy to logically understand that than to feel it. But like, it is something I think about a lot whenever I get in that you know place of jealousy. Yeah. I feel like that was the stage two of yeah. after I watched his special. I think the first time I was like, it awestruck. Right. Wow. This is, this is a new bow we haven't seen before. Oh, these, all these songs are different. Mm -hmm. Like he's normally, it was just kind of the, the four, he makes the joke, like I'm just all the same four chords, right, right? right? Just, just piano. And now there's like so much production. There's so like, he's gotten better vocally. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, I was impressed. Second time I watched it, then I felt inadequate and guilty. Third time I watched it. Um, I think I just started to only think about it. And I was reading online a little bit before this that it, I think everyone that watches it feels the same way. Right. We watch it once and we're flabbergasted, but then we can't stop thinking about it. Right. And I wonder what it's like for everyone. I wonder if everyone is kind of going through these stages or anyone that's an artist. I've maybe. texted a lot of musical comedians, some who are like pretty big and everyone's going through that. Like I was like, how are you doing on the roller coaster of you know, inside. Yeah. And they're all like, dude, I don't know what stage I'm in right now, but it's like literally on Sunday, I texted, I think five musical comedians. And they're all like, I'm writing a song right now. Um, I've been all of a sudden inspired. I haven't written in like six months, but now I have to. And I'm like, I get it. Like all this like desperate inspiration to like yeah. do something with our talents that match it in any way. Right. But yeah. Everyone's been feeling it. I think that's what happens when someone makes something that's never been seen before. Yes. Like that's why it's so different. Cause it's like a lot of, comics or anyone makes a piece of art and you're like, that was a really good movie. That was a really good stand-up set. I'm inspired. But when someone does something that just hasn't existed before, mm -hmm. it like kind of breaks your brain a little bit and you go, wait, it just really it reminds you that th like things are limitless and you there, it's just like, it, it is a, it like the cracks of your creative soul open up a little bit. Um, and it's like such a, you know, that's why all these feelings are happening at once. Cause you like all of these, you have to feel all these things. Like I, I feel like that was what happened like when George Carlin came around for the first time and everyone was like, you can talk like this on stage and what? And how does it tell a lot of people felt when Hannah Gadsby had her special a couple of years ago? Like mm -hmm. I knew some women in my life who were like, 
could like barely operate for a week. And it was like, that's, I feel like when you see a piece of art that speaks to you in a way that just hasn't happened before, it's, you just have to ride the journey of emotions because it's, it's going to get you. It's going to get you. I just think it's so cool that people like Bo in specials like Inside remind us that we can do something different. Right. Because I was talking to another writer friend of mine and they were saying that they don't like to follow the format of whatever whatever it is of like every 15 seconds you need a joke I or whatnot in, in a sitcom. But that's like how they teach you, right? As a writer. I, I hate, yeah, I mean, I've heard people say that. I wouldn't say don't fucking take classes from those people. Yeah. Don't take classes from anyone how to write a screenplay if they just like show you save the cat. I mean, there's so many Right, but like, I'm so in my head about like, fuck the formula. It, I, I, the older I get, the more I'm like, take, take that shit. That shit is so unnecessary in every, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'll get into it in a second, but what was your friend saying? <laughs> this is when I get mad, this kind of stuff. <laughs> no, I'm glad this is where the anger comes out. You've worked on it. I can Yeah, tell. I can. I, yeah. And this is a very healthy way. Well, I, cause I've just done a lot of work to figure out like, I mean, I'm not going to get into like really my philosophy of screenplay structure here, but like. <laughs> That's for another podcast. I mean, I will. So basically, <laughs> there are all these books. I, I think they can use it kind of as a metaphor for art in general. There's all these books about how to write a screenplay. And like, there's like thousands of them. And the reason is it's very hard to write a movie. People out here who've tried it listening, you know what I mean. It's to write that 90 to 120 pages is really fucking hard to figure out how to tell a story. So all these books showed up saying, here's how you do it. Here's how you start. Here's where the inciting incident is. Here's where you break an act two. Here's how you create this like tragic flaw in your character. Here's where you reverse it. Here's where the dark night of the soul is. Here's how you conclude, right? And it's called dark night of the soul. That's the dark night of the soul. That's yeah. also a very spiritual term that yeah. I think I'm going through right now. Yeah. You're going through your dark night of the soul. Well, I didn't know that was a writing thing. I think they stole it from the spiritual well, world. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. So yeah, so basically re reverse engineered a, a right, structure right. in so order to have a formula. Yeah. So this reverse engineering has been around, you know, since the hero's journey, you meet, you know, this person, they guide you here, you meet this person and this is what happens. And they all go, look at all these movies. See, like this movie does that, this movie does that, this, and it's like, they're not wrong. A lot of stories, most I would even say about transformation, kind of follow the same story. But here's the thing, and this is what it took me a minute to realize, because everyone kind of started writing all these. That's why so many movies feel the same, by the way. Exactly. That's what be like, the this end is. of what he was saying And was. so what I think, what I realize is, oh, like, just throw that book out the window. Tell a story, especially if you're telling a story about someone going through a transformation, which is pretty much all American movies. And start with a person. And, you know, really figure out who they are, what situation they're in, they're in, what's going to, what, you know, what conflict they're in. Like, get a meaty beginning to what's about to happen. And then just follow that person. Like, let everything un unroll the way it needs to happen. Let them tell you how they're going to handle situations. Let the situations come to them. If it's wrong, if you're going off course, if you're present with your writing, it will correct itself. I promise you. Like, if you're honest with what you're writing, it will go. Think about the best stories that have happened to you or to me or to any of our friends in real life, right? right. Like, a great story and someone tells it, you're like, oh my God, that was like a great story. Because naturally, if you just follow a person who has to go through a conflict, A to B to C, what happens, it's always great if it's just truthful and honest. And like, if someone's in a predicament and has to get out, it's just like, it, that's how, it's like, you've never hear a story of someone's like, 
I was trapped in the bottom of a well. And you're like, what happened? And they're like, ah, eh, no, that was kind of boring. It's like, no matter what happens in the story, it's fascinating. Cause it's like, here's a person who's in this predicament and is going to do something to get out. And you're going to learn kind of something about the struggle of, I guess, getting out of a well in that story, but like learn something about humanity in them. The point is when you write a screenplay, if you just sort of, again, truthfully follow uh, a person, you have an interesting enough conflict to tell a story by the end of writing it, you'll probably map out to look exactly like that hero's journey or mm. that save the catch or whatever it is without even trying to. Yeah, just like a natural cycle. You probably will. And by the way, if you don't, even better because then you're doing something a little bit different. But that's the best way to write because if you try to write it from the outside in, like, oh, this has to happen here and this has to happen here, you're just going to be trying to put these markers on your story and it's not going to make any sense. Whereas if you just naturally follow someone's journey, they will follow those markers because that's what we do. It's like going, someone going through AA and going through all the steps mm. or someone going through, you know, grief and going through all those steps of denial and whatever. It's like we have a pattern as people, you know, plants have summer, fall, winter, spring. We kind of do the same thing. And if you just naturally like follow that, You'll, you'll watch them go through it in the order they will tell you to go through it in, in like in the, in the speed they'll tell you to do it. Right. Instead of like the thing to like looking at the formula and then trying to go from that way. So for example, like 15 seconds, you have to have a laugh every 15 seconds is sometimes what they say in stand up, right? Well, I sure, but also it's like speak about a subject honestly and thoughtfully and let the laughs come when they do. And maybe it will turn out to be every 15 seconds or maybe it won't in perhaps you should have a three minute section. That's a little bit deeper and more intense. And then that laugh that comes after that will be even better. But like the every 15 seconds thing is like, it's like a kind of a nice like signpost to have as you try to work. But if you try to just follow that, you're going to, it's going to be, you're not going to give the idea what it needs to be. You have to let your idea basically be what it wants to be, I guess is what I'm trying to say. What about, so you went from writing and now you make songs, but like yeah. you have to follow a songs format, right? Yeah. I, I love writing songs. It's so much fun to like have an idea. Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, songs, well, first of all, it kind of tells you what it like, what kind of melody it wants to be or kind of like how it's, like, you know, what style it wants to be in. What I really like about songs is if you write a comedy song, they often, you know, you'll have kind of a point of view or a game like a sketch. Mm -hmm. But unlike a sketch, you know, if Nick and I are doing a sketch and there's like five beats to it, every beat can kind of be our, its own length. If you have a song and you've established a verse and then a chorus and you go back to a second verse, now you have like, you have four bars of eight to get to the chorus again. And you have to right. say everything you need to say in that. So it's like really compact. That fun. They only have a certain That's amount math. of syllables. Yeah, it's math. And they have to rhyme. And then, in the, and you have to get there. And if you don't get there, it's, you, if you don't get there by the next chorus, it's not, the chorus isn't going to hit again. And it's well, however it needs to. And it's like on its second go round. Um, so it's kind of amazing to, to do it. Cause at first you're like, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to make my point. Then you realize, yeah, you do. But you just have to like get focused and learn to like, you know, shave off the unnecessary parts. It's really a process in learning how to, you know, yeah, you do have a structure, obviously, what a song is. But you also can, you can go outside of that. You can bend outside of the song structure and kind of go off in your own place. Like the internet song and Bo's special is, you know, mm, can I interest right, right. you in everything? But then he has that bridge where it's just sort of, it's like much more, it's a slower, sort of more languishing thing where he's talking to you, you. An insatiable you as yeah. a child and that one just sort of he just sort of plays that as long as it needs to be played mm -hmm. and then boom he goes back into the chorus again 
And it's like, yeah, you can, there's, even though there is sort of defined little like structures in a song, you can still play around with it. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Wait, I want to ask a question about when you were saying take out all the unnecessary bits. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a huge thing as an artist and also uh-huh. like, uh, the showrunner on the show that I was just on always said uh, the ruthless elimination of the inessential. Mm-hmm. So take out everything. Mm-hmm. And it's also like people have said this before, mm-hmm. like kill your babies and don't be so precious. Yep. So how do you go about taking out the things that you don't think you need but are still very good? You do. This is the most important thing. Nick and I do this all the time. We write it. I feel like the first draft when you write stuff and this is probably true for every type of art. I, we let ourselves be as expansive as we want it to be. Mm. And then we just like literally go, it's just a process of ironing over and over again. When you're honest with yourself, you'll tell yourself when something is just not working or if something is too long. And when we edit, like, you know, we'll stick, it'll be a little scene in a sketch for a month and we really want to keep it. But just if we watch it a million times, eventually it just becomes clear let's try it without that and mm. you take it out and then it's better. And it's almost always better when you take it out. But like, it's almost like I know something is right. Like when Nick and I write a script, I know it's ready to be shot when you're reading it and you're like, dun dun. Yep. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Yes. Yes. Good, 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 good. And da, 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 da. Yep. It's like, there's just no question every right. line you're reading. Whereas when you're like, that's good. And then this part is like, that's, that's pretty good. Right. I, can we beat it? We could, mm, I think it's probably good. It's not good. Yes. It's only good when it's like literally every line we're like, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. There's just no question at every point. And it's hard to get to, but once you get there, you're like, it's just, it. There, you literally just like stop wondering if it's good. You just literally know it's great. Right. No one could tell you it's not good. You'd be like, what are you talking about? You're an idiot. Whereas yeah, if you're yeah, like, yeah. hey, is this good? That means you probably don't fully believe in it yet. Right. That's exactly how I feel about dancing too and like choreographing. I'll re-choreograph until everything is completely perfect. But what about for someone like me who's going into like a different medium? Like now I went from dance and now interior designing and now I'm working on this project that's kind of like a visual. And right, it's right. not like, no, it's not like per- my personality is in it, but right. it's, it's just text and vision. Like, mm-hmm. so... So how do I know if something is good, like me or anyone listening that like is is trying a new art form? How do we know if something is good if we've never done it before? I mean, that's an interesting question. It's sort of an impossible answer. I mean, I think the answer is, I don't want to say like, you know, when you know, you know, right. but like there's, there's a feeling I get, and I bet you do too, when you know that you've done something well 
yeah. no matter what it is that I don't get when I don't do something well. I was, th- I wonder what, if we were to like break down that like feeling, what it actually is, Yes. you know, this reminds me, I was thinking about imposter syndrome, right? The thing that millennials and Gen Z's all know about, right? <laughs> we all have this feeling of we're an imposter. And I was thinking about it because a lot of people have it. And I was like, the general um, advice towards it is like, no, you kick ass. Don't let that, don't let anyone say you're an imposter. Like, it's like toxic positivity. At right, some right, point. exactly. Yeah, where it's like you rock, like whoever's saying that you're not, you know, amazing, like you're just telling yourself you're an imposter, but like you, you run the world, look at you. And part of me is like, yeah, maybe, but maybe the reason you feel like an imposter is because you are an imposter. <gasps> well, aren't we all until we make something of ourselves? Well, that's what I'm thinking is like, maybe if you are doing something for the look of it, or you're doing something because you think you're supposed to doing something creative, or maybe, maybe when you're getting accolades on something and you know that it's not actually something that's very good, or you didn't try very hard, or Mm. something you like, maybe you're feeling imposter syndrome because you are actually being an imposter. And maybe when you do, because I noticed the first time when I started feeling imposter syndrome, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this job that I'm getting paid for. I don't even like that people are saying good job to me. And I'm like, oh, but I'm, it's not. I know it's not. When I do something that I love, when I do my one-man show, yes. we put a Titanic sketch up and people like it, I don't have imposter syndrome. I feel perfect. But when I do something that I know, if I go on stage and I do a, a set and I know I was kind of just trying to like, it was kind of coming from my ego or something. I was trying to do something that like wasn't me then I'll have this feeling of like something's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. It's like there's this feeling when I'm writing something or trying to make something comedic or I, I, creating some piece of art and I know that it's like not right. It's just like there's something in my gut that's like, you're this is wrong and you know it. You know it, Brian. Like something's not... <laughs> Right here. I love your internal voice being like, you, you know fucking, it. You fucking you know, know it, it bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, yeah, you probably hit the nail on because the nail on the head because the first time I ever felt imposter syndrome, it was because I, I felt like I was not qualified for what I wanted to do. Right. Like say, say that I want to like set decorate for TV and film. Like I don't have any credits for that. Right. Right. So, but like if I were to say like, Oh yeah, I design for entertainment or whatever. Like, um, yeah, I guess the entertainment, it would just be like, well, no, you don't, you do it in a little way. And it's right. like, at some point, I think that I was saying that like I could call myself a designer if I got credited and mm-hmm. I I did X, Y, and Z. So like now I'm like in school for it. So it's like to to alleviate my mental state of like I am not actually this. Right. When like I've designed my house, I've I've helped other people design stuff, and it's like I've done it, but I don't have SAG after credits, you know. So I'm waiting till I the SAG after credits for designing houses. <laughs> <laughs> or like anything. I mean, that's why the Netflix show is so important to me. Like, right. it's obviously not the the best thing I will ever do because it's like the. the why do the you thing- think you need credits to prove to people that you're good at something? I don't think it's proving to people. I think it's proving to myself. You think you need credits to prove to yourself that you're good at something? No, no. Need- I know I'm good at it, but right. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs. Like, right. I, I would love to like open up like a blueprint and be able to like sketch it exactly like a a, a person that knows everything would do, or like speak to my dad who's an architect to be like, right. yes. I am this. We're different in this way because I like going, my whole thing is like, I want to show up on a a set or film set on stage and, and have people use the common, like, um, 
language that they use. And me go, what are you guys talking about? I, this is my word for that. Like, I want to be like, <laughs> I don't use whatever your text is, whatever your formula is. I don't use that. I use my own way and uh, come to my side. Like, mm. let me teach you kind of how I do it. Like, I don't want to look like, and it's probably like kind of a negative thing. Like it's probably coming from my own sense of like, I don't know, there's some, it's not coming from a great place, but it's, it's, it's a little bit different than what you're saying. Cause part of me is like, yeah, I did this in some new way where I wasn't supposed to do it. It's like when Nick and I started to sketch, we didn't take any classes or anything. We were wow, just good yeah. at it. And I was like, I love that. I don't know what this is. And comedians would try to tell us like, oh, you guys, you, you did a sketch of this style or like this. And I was like, if you say so, right. like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not bound to that shit. Like I liked not being of, the, I don't know. The yeah, that's, oh my God, my brain is like on fire with so many dif different ideas because th the people that are like, the, not so much the outcast, but don't follow the formula. Those are the types of people that change the world, right? Like say like when Picasso started painting in his, his signature style, like he was a true, like studied artist before doing right. like realistic paintings, like everything that was popular around that time. And then all of a sudden he was like, I'm going to break all of the rules. Right. And so like, how do you feel about when, people say like you need to know the rules before you can break them i think there's something to that i mean it kind of it's a bit on a case-by-case -case scenario because it's like i definitely understand that in a in a way like it does kind of help to you know know a little about the structure of what you're doing or why like i don't think inside could have been made because that bow is like kind of a, having a Picasso moment with this, right? Yeah. This is a, this, no book would ever say create a, a special like this because it yeah. hasn't been done. But Bo kind of had to know what a special looked like to break it. He kind of had to know kind of what your, um, you know, how to tell a joke to then learn how to not tell a joke and to do something that's like actually depressing instead where you think <laughs> it's going to go this way. Yeah. That being said, if someone who had never existed, like who like lived in the jungle, and then at age 30 made something and they didn't know, I bet it would be fucking compelling as shit. Yeah. And they wouldn't know anything about like the rules of anything. And so it would like look amazing and different in its own way. So there is something amazing about like, yes, you have to kind of know the rules to break something. If you want to kind of like, if you want to take a system and comment on it. Yeah, you do. If you're kind of just on your own planet doing something, I don't think you have to know anything. Hmm. I mean, look, all the people that who created what everything is didn't know anything. All the first people who started writing stories that we now say like, oh, they're the writers to look to. Who did they look to? Right. Right. All the people that started like painting and designing, right? you have to know their structure and how they do stuff before you can do it. Well, what did they know before that? Like someone had to start at the beginning anyway. And so... I mean, I guess the idea is like you should know the rules because you don't want to just like repeat them. But I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess my answer is kind of split. Like it's good to know the history of what you're doing and to know a little bit about it because it will be helpful to learn to learn certain things people have done in the past. You'll definitely find some help. Like it'll help you get to quicker to higher places quicker. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there is some shit that's inside of you that no one else has that you cannot even articulate with words. And if however it wants to come out in whatever way as an artist, you just have to let it. And you have to be like, I don't know if this follows a rule or not, but when it when it's coming, it's like barfing. Yeah, it's yeah. like you have to know the rules of barfing before you barf. No, you don't. <laughs> just like you, if that's barfing, if it's coming up in that, that way, 
you just whether it's yeah, yeah. in in the lines or not it just it just needs to kind of exist the way it does and well, that's so fascinating because i feel like with, that's what bo did with his with his special is like he he was able to take all of kind of like the collective feeling of the world but also like put his stamp on it yeah and so it came out in his own particular way and nobody else could do it like him i think that we all have something inside of us exactly like what you're saying but i wonder how to get it out like mm-hmm. i was listening to this book called big magic that you probably have read yeah, yeah, everyone Gilbert. loves it yeah, yeah. and so i started listening to it because highly recommended by a close friend of mine and i am thinking about like how do i get all of like the deepest parts of myself that like are so vulnerable and honest. How do I get that into my art? And where where is all of that? Like, because mm. I I don't know. I don't. I I look through all my journals and I see all these things, but it's stuff that like everyone is kind of dealing with, whether it's like self doubt or insecurity or I know I'm all these so things. sick of all the self help books right now. They <laughs> just say the same thing. But like, I want to know what I have inside me that like is kind of ugly to look at, you know? Because that's the oh, stuff that I can tell you I- that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You have, you've written a whole book on all my ugly parts. Have you read any of my scripts <laughs> that are secretly about you? No. Um, but like, I, I want to be able to like put how I feel like the scariest parts about me on, onto paper. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know how to find those. What do you mean? I don't know. Like sometimes I'll read a poem or some sort of, or, or watch a movie or something. And it's like, oh my God, like this is so cringy in a good way because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's cringy because it's so authentic and it makes me feel it makes me feel like, mm-hmm. especially in Bo's uh, situation, he had mentioned something that made me feel guilty at some point in time. And it was like, I want that. What What do you think? Cause like, all right, well, let's go into this. Like what makes you think that you're not able to do that? Because you don't hide. You talk about your ugly shit. We talk all I, the time yeah. about like you're in my ugly shit. So you have it, you have access to it. Um, Maybe I don't so, know how to put it on paper. Do you mean, or what does that literally mean though? Like if you had to write it down, could you do it? Could it, you can say it out, out of your mouth. Can you not put it? But I think there's down? uglier stuff. Okay. <laughs> do you know what it is? No, but, but see, do you not? Or do you just say you don't? Well, I don't know. Cause you've created a person. That's what I'm also wondering is like, what do you, I, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by you, the persona of you nope, online. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I am because well, talk, cause I've changed cause online. You too. have, but and like there's still, there's, it's almost like you're everything. Like you yeah. put up a lot, but it's like, uh, I don't know if it's everything like, the real interview or every mask possible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I definitely started with well, a mask a hundred percent. Like as I've gotten to know you, you have, I'm like, Oh, Oh, this is Megan. Oh, this is me. Oh, this is Megan. It's like so that. who are those versions of me? When you, when you start to go like, Oh, this is her. Like, what are the things that I'm showing that you, you now register when as I me? When I first met you, I thought, I just knew you from your dance videos. Right. So yeah. the person you were, is not that person like in like the vi all of that shit. It's like that was not this is not who you are. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, you're like a homebody. Like that's like, oh, okay. And you're like super like like sus- like anxious in groups. Like that that blew my mind at first. Like yeah. Like you want to go to Ala Aqua? Uh, is one person gonna be there? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. No, I can't. <laughs> Megan, it's in your backyard. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just uh, I'm gonna go to bed at six thirty with the cats tonight. 
<laughs> so I was like, yeah, okay. like highly, highly anxious. But I, and, I show those parts online. So what, uh-huh. what parts? And then it was like, oh, you're like a weird. It's like then when you're like, you're, I'm Chip from Beauty and the Beast. I was like, oh, yes. you are. You're like a little boy. That's what you are. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I am like a little boy. And then I'm like, oh, you're like a weirdo. Yes. Like, so it's like, yeah, I mean, they're all true. But it's yeah, I like, guess I don't show my weirdness online because there's no really place for me to, to because I'm filming alone. Right. So I'm like, how can... But it, you know what it is? It's like you definitely still present all of that in a very formalized, really aesthetically pleasing way. Yeah. Like you, even when you're like post things about how you're down and out, you look very pretty when you're doing it. You know, you do, and everything's very cultivated. Mm-hmm. Like, Bo looks fucking like Manson by the end of his special. Yeah. Like, he looks fucking insane. Right. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, I I still feel like perhaps you have a bit of a, um, and this is not unique to you. This is like all of us, but like really looking, looking ugly. Like yeah. Like, in a very real way. Because it's very easy to be like, I'm doing some work and I've noticed some ugly things and actually I am like a little bit codependent because of X, Y, and Z. Like that's like a step there to like, there's almost a way to like show that you can say that you like are okay showing stuff, but without actually doing it. I see. It's it's like narrating instead of showing. It's it's yeah. tell, If it's a show and tell, it's yeah. the telling part and the not showing. Yeah. It's, we talked about the idea of you doing like, remember at the coffee shop where you're, I think you said like, or maybe I said like, you should do like a show where you just like scream and throw paint at the wall or yes. something. And you're like, yay. And I'm like, that would be a new version of Megan. But, like but that, I, did, I didn't say I wanted to do a show. I was like, what am I going to do today? Maybe I'll scream and throw paint. And I was like, that would be a new look. That would be a new you. But I, I don't know. I mean, amazing. I mean, that'd be incredible. Like if you just fucking like, here's you like, like instead of a rage room, you know, you can like pay now to break a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. I've never done that. I don't I know if I would like, like it. I don't know if you would either, but maybe if I was throwing, I know some people's faces you could put on <laughs> some stuff. <laughs> it's just five of your faces. Like that's Andy m- That's not what I was going to say. <laughs> Is it me? <laughs> No, you're not mad at me. No, I'm not. I, I don't not really mad, mad at, at anyway anyone because I I also don't think I'm very in tune with anger. Um, I remember when I did this self development seminar. Rodrigo's. That's right. Yes. Oh, I host a podcast called Biotypical. Yes. That plug you, it. That you basically made happen. <laughs> That's so cool. When you came on and. We want you back. I would love to it do it. It would be great. I think there's a lot to talk about. And now I'm a different person. I know. I think there's, okay, we'll get into all this. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay. Um, um, yeah, definitely check out Biotypical and then I'll be there whenever you want. That'd be so fun. I was going to say something uh, just a little bit back. I know we always open like a million browser tabs when we start talking, <laughs> but like we're talking about how do you know when you do art? Like if you, like if it's the right thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. And we talked about this. Rodrigo talked about it in our last podcast where are you f- doing your art from a positive or a negative place? And it's like, if you're doing it from a negative place, you can often tell because you just have that thing inside you going like, I'm doing this. And once I fucking do this, then then they'll see. People will finally know. Like, or it's like, my dad will know. Or my, this, my fucking friend or girls will see this. You have that inside of you. When you're doing art from a positive place, you don't even have a reason. You're just up all night doing it and you you can't yeah. stop, you can't even not think about it and you just you just like you can't wait to do it again and you don't even care if it's good or if anyone likes it and I got to just plink this piano all day, excuse me, or I got to draw this thing or I've started sewing this thing and I just can't stop. That's a good sign. Right. Like, even if you're entering something new, if you're like your your body tells you. It tells you like it's like hanging out with a like a f- new friend. How do you know if this new friend's good? 
I don't know. Do you want to go on a hike with them? Do you, do you think about it? Well, I don't want to go on a hike with anybody. Yeah, I know. You, you don't <laughs> want to do anything with anyone. <laughs> I do, if it's on my short list of things that I like to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm old enough now to understand what I like and what I don't like. And so I could come off pretty close-minded, I guess, even though I think I'm like very open-minded. Hi, it's me. It's Megan. I'm interrupting this beautiful conversation because I need to thank a few of our sponsors that allow me to continue to have this podcast. So I'm going to say thank you a ton and then we'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Especially to- Why do she like hikes? Oh God, they're horrible in every way. Okay. The incline sucks. I'm hot. I'm <laughs> bored. I want to sit down. Where's the restaurant? Like, I, there's so many things. <laughs> I have like notes the most about privileged hikes. little piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, there's some people that like have to hike every day to get water, and it's like the okay, best well, part of their life. If that, listen. <laughs> <laughs> that is for utility purposes. I, I, my water is there. So I go there for the water. <laughs> this would be a voluntary situation. And I don't want to do, I don't want to voluntarily do this. If I like had to write a movie where a woman was like, had, they were like, let's go camping. And we're like, oh, what's like the most like annoying thing that we're say? <laughs> She's like, oh, hike. And it's uh, too hot. And where's the restaurant? I think that would be the line. <laughs> okay. I would camp before I would hike. You've never camped. So what? <laughs> <laughs> I would do it. You would? I would. I would camp with a small group of friends. Okay. And a bag of goodies. <laughs> but I wouldn't. What's a bag of goodies? You know. Like just some, some weed? Some like mind altering things. <laughs> what else besides weed? Like maybe a tiny little microdose of shrooms. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a great place nice. to do them. But the, the thing is like, I would not want to hike to get there. You know, I just don't like walking. That's what it is. I remember dating this one guy from Chicago and I was like, man, I could never live in Chicago. One, the cold, but also walking everywhere. And then I think that was like the demise of our relationship. That was like the apex that it was just like downhill from there. <laughs> I hate walking. Cause he walked or he lived in Chicago and he had to walk there. We, <laughs> wait, 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 hold he, on. Like, this relationship broke up because of walking? Well, quite possibly. No, this is, <laughs> something's wrong well, about this sentence. <laughs> well, it's, it's walking and a bunch of other things. Yeah. The other thing. But the walking was like the icing on the cake. Okay. Like I do not, I'm not going to do it. That's an excuse sometimes, for something else. Sometimes I drive to Starbucks instead of walking there. Yeah. Why don't you like walking so much? It's boring. Yeah. But that there's something else underneath you that. You think that I'm, you think I have trauma from walking? Yes. I did walk on fire at a Tony Robbins convention, so maybe it was that. I don't think it's that. <laughs> 
I think it's it, the idea of it being boring is you don't like being alone with yourself. For <gasps> but even like I love minutes. being alone with myself. You love being in this place, doing a million things all at once and, you know, being, uh, making sure that everything is doing this and then your cats and then also being on Instagram, blah, blah. That's not quite being alone. Being right. alone is taking a walk and ha don't, not having your phone with you and just being with your head and just being like, I don't know where this is going. Don't like, know do I have to walk home. to do that? Can I just sit down? Do, well, how often do you sit down in a room with nothing? Only when I meditate. How often do you meditate? Never. Okay. Well, <laughs> as often as you camp. <laughs> I've done it. I've, I tried to. Yeah, you tried it with I me and Ross a year ago. And we come out of it and you started crying because you didn't think you did it right. <laughs> it was the most Megan thing I've ever seen. Well, because you guys had like, we, we did a meditation and then we all like wrote down like what came out of it. Right. And you guys had like front and back. and I Front and, and back. Front and back. <laughs> <laughs> and I had like maybe like two bullet points and I just like, I was super insecure and I was like, fuck, I didn't like get out of this. And this is something I talked with about my, talked with my therapist about is that when I go into therapy, I'm like, oh, I've got an hour. It's costing me 180, 190 now dollars, um, which is like, and now I can only do it every now and then because it's so freaking expensive. And so I go there and so I'm like, okay, this is what the money is worth. There's a value attached to this. So I better be getting my return on investment essentially. And then she was like, can you look at it from a different perspective of like you're taking one hour to yourself, even if you don't get like a huge breakthrough or like a main takeaway, that's still like worth your time, right? And I'm like, yes, yeah, worth my time, but is it worth $190? Like, come on. Like for me, it's like I value and I equate things of like, is it worth X? Mm. And I think, I don't know, maybe that's something. Wait, where are we talking? What is that from? How did this start? We are talking about walking. Oh yeah, walking. <laughs> And then meditating. Yes, And the yes. fact that I didn't get anything out of that meditation, yes, yes. I felt like, oh, that this wasn't valuable to yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, this is so, this makes so much sense for you. Yeah. Because you, you derive so much value from doing and completing things. Yes. And people knowing that you, you've done something. And I think this is also where we've gone really fucking wrong in our society because there's no such thing as completing anything. There's no such thing as getting something accomplished. Like, the idea of you accomplishing anything is... I mean, it depends on where your perspective of what the word accomplishing even means, right? Yeah. So it's like the certain activities that I do that I don't even take, you know, if I'm like, I did nothing today. I just fucking drove to Starbucks and got a fucking thing and came back. If someone else came with the perspective of, I'm going to go to Starbucks, get a thing and come back. Oh, I'm going to accomplish that today. Right. Then all of a sudden they've accomplished something and I've done nothing and we did the exact same thing. And I think like the idea of like, I meditated for 20 minutes and I didn't have a full-on breakthrough. I didn't accomplish anything. It's like, okay, that's one way to look at it. Or it's like, I sat with myself for 20 minutes and I know that something was happening underneath the surface and I, I basically gave myself gratitude and space for 20 minutes. No matter what the result is, that's an accomplishment. Right. And that's what it is. And so it's like, you know, it's. I do think that we are, I think you are one primed to be obsessed with trying to create and do all the time, plus the society and the also the social media society you live in especially mm -hmm. exacerbates that even more. Oh God. Yeah, I think kind of my whole trajectory of creation has definitely been with an underpinning of execution. Like when I was younger, the way that I received love or registered love was when I was exceptional. Mm -hmm. Like my sister and I are, are 13 months apart and straight A students would always like just 
always obedient, so obedient. Like that's, I don't even know if I was a good kid. I was just obedient. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, great. That's how I, that's how I get love is mm-hmm. I be a, mm-hmm. an obedient kid. But then I also excel. Like I'm in the gifted program and I make all these crazy art pieces and all these things. And it's like, I do this and this and this, and I'm captain of that and varsity this. And it's like, holy, how much can one person do? Mm-hmm. And for, and still, I still like when people are like, wow, how do you do so many things? I'm like, that makes me feel good. But it's like, I think it's like, scratching an itch that there is probably something there that I haven't even gotten to. Like of all the self work that I've already done, that's not even been touched yet. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, wow, can you imagine if like there's, I mean, we've touched on it because it's like, okay, yeah, that's how, yeah, it's a childhood wound. Mm -hmm. Like I I understand that like I derive value from doing a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but what if it's something deeper than that? That's like scary, which like I'm excited about. This this is a, a thing that like, once I dive deeper into than, this deeper than what I don't, I don't know. I'm just thinking that like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it is. Yeah. Pretty deep. But like, what if it's, I don't know. I just feel like I haven't like gotten to the, the, the part that like is like the clicking of like, Oh, this is, this is the thing that I've been missing. So it all has to do with your family. Yeah. It's all about your mom, your dad and your sister, probably a lot about your dad. And I think the way you get over it is, Oh God, have we talked about psycho magic? You, you mentioned it when we were having coffee. It was. Tell everyone. So I took a, so I, this podcast, I was biotypicals with a guy named Rodrigo Garcia Platas. Rodrigo. He's a Mexican psychologist and life coach. And he's amazing. And he's, his Instagram is RGP development. And he, I took this six week course during COVID with a, like 25 other people. Could never. You gotta. I would have to do it private. I know it's not for everyone, but it really. Sh- I think therapy with twenty five people is incredible. You know why? Because you, you get like twenty five more. You get, yeah. Also, you get refer- you can't lie. Like if you're talking to someone and Rodrigo's like, guys, how are you feeling about how Brian's answering right now? And everyone's uh, like, uh, yeah, he's fucking hiding right now. What's oh going on? God. You can't. You can't hide from anyone. Wow. And then when you have your breakthrough and people are there to see it and talk to you, it's like you're just so. You know, if I go to therapy an hour ago and I come back, you're like, how was your therapy session, Brian? I could be like, yeah, it's fine. Right. I don't have to tell you anything. But like after doing this thing, I was like, I want to do this with all my friends in one room because like after it was over, every person was like, oh, I see exactly why you are the way you are now. Mm. Wouldn't that be nice if all of your friends could yeah. see exactly why you fucking annoy them all the time or I annoy wow. them? Not you. <laughs> why one annoys them. Sure. Like I was just sort of like if every person could be seen this way by everyone close to them, you'd be like, oh, that's why so-and-so has been like this their whole life. And it's, I've now, you just change from frustrated with someone to compassionate to someone like that. That's been the craziest part about doing these classes with, with Rodrigo. But there's the whole point of this class called balancing your biotype is about finding essentially what your core beliefs are. What the thing is that you've been carrying with you since you were almost zero years old that you created when you were a baby. And everyone has only just like a few of them. Maybe you just have one. And I think you just found yours. What just happened? <laughs> I think that's it. I I will let you finish. <laughs> Thank you. I'll let you finish now. Okay, you sure? Yes. Um, well, yeah, okay. So it's about finding your core belief, which is like, at first when I was like, what's my core belief? And your core belief is kind of how you see the entire world. Like everything from your relationships to money, to your career, to your friendships, the way you think the world works, the way you think people are looking at you all the time, the way you think you need to be kind of all stems from this like one place. And at first you're like, what are you talking about? So there's a couple of weeks of this course. And then I kind of found mine and it kind of came at a moment that I kind of out of nowhere, this girl, Holly really helped me find it in our little group. 
And I started, cause I had all my things I was struggling with in my life. I wrote down and I read them all. And she was like, um, I see a thread between all these. And I was like, help me. And then she said it. And I was like, Oh my God, I started like crying. And I realized like, this is my belief has made me act this way in all my different parts of my life. Mm. So like the next, so after you find it, you know, so then there's like, well, have this conversation with your dad then. Have this conversation with your mom. Have these conversations that you need to have with the people in your life that are clearly holding your back. Even if you don't, if they're, if they're dead, you can still do it. What conversation are you having with them? You're basically, I mean, it, it's different for every person, but sometimes it is admitting that you, uh, maybe you feel like my whole life I've created a belief that you were ashamed of me. Mm-mm. Maybe my whole life I've been angry at you for this reason. And, you know, maybe I need to apologize for this. Maybe I just need to let you know that this is kind of what I don't think you've ever known that I have been telling myself this my whole life. And in basically they will be like, that's not true. And you're mm. like, what? It's like that. This It's crazy how much you don't even realize you've been telling yourself something. And if you let the person know that kind of was a kind of instrumental part of creating this belief, if you really let that know them know, it starts unraveling like in a really like crazy way. That's not psychomagic. Psychomagic <laughs> is invented by this guy named Alejandro Jodorowsky. He's like in his 90s, he's an Argentinian artist. And he created this thing called Psychomagic in the 60s. There's a documentary about it if you wanna watch the craziest shit of all time. And the idea is once you find this fucking thing, this core belief, this thing that's holding you back, mm-hmm. you create kind of this artistic piece with it physically in your life, you manifest it. And it's basically a ceremony to destroy it and to say goodbye to it. And you do it. And I was a little bit like, this works. And my friend Janice, who had taken the class was like, it works. And so I did it and we all filmed ours and we showed it to the class. And it is fucking wild. The way that like, it not only like kind of works, like there are certain things that I have and like, you know, I'm always skeptical of things where it's like a breakthrough and then you're done with something. Cause that's right. never how life works. But there's certain things after this where I'm like, it's just gone. And it's like truly, and it's like really taking it and like putting it into a ceremony of like finding what this is deep in the back of your brain, bringing it to something physical that you can understand in this part of your brain, creating this like ceremony and this art piece around it. And then like destroying this and it like helps your brain truly kind of rip apart and say goodbye. And you write a letter thanking this old part of yourself, like in not in any kind of like fuck you way, but like a to the old version of me and to my old ways of being. Thank you. Like the reason you exist was to help me survive. Mm-hmm. I need the way I was. I needed. I needed. It helped me live. And it, I I honor you so much. I don't need you anymore. In fact, it's not helping me. So it's time we like let this go. And I just wanted to like thank you so much for what you've done, but let's say our goodbyes. And then you basically have the ceremony where you, and it's all different for every person depending on what they have to go through and how they artistically need to wow. express it. And the shit that I saw people do I and bet. I did, it was insane. Cause you really see their inner shit just like yeah, yeah. explode. And Cause that's like what's been holding them back so long. So imagine just, that's your own personal rage room. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And it, sometimes it is rageful, sometimes it's just like sorrowful, sometimes it's like, I mean, some shit, if you watch the documentary, you're like, oh, 
what the fuck are these people doing? Because he kind of helps these people like figure out their own psychomagic act. And then I remember in class being like, oh, this sounds so weird, but we have psychomagic acts all the time in life. We just don't call it psychomagic. We call them funerals or weddings oh, right. or parades or graduations. Mm-hmm. Funeral, someone dies. Okay, it's kind of hard to comprehend. But then you put them in a box and watch them lower into the ground and put dirt on it. Then your brain goes, got it. Right. They're back to the earth. Weddings. Okay. Yeah. They're a couple. Who cares? Oh, the father gives her away. Then the guy puts a ring on her finger in front of a crowd. Got it. There's like this like cementing of it when you see it in this sort of ceremony when you're saying goodbye to this thing and like saying hello to this new other thing. That's why rituals are so important. Rituals and ceremonies like that. Yeah. yeah, So psychomagic is like your own personal ceremony specifically designed to like fucking say goodbye to a part of your life. And if you take it seriously and you like really dig deep and like do it in a way that is like, I, I did some pretty personal shit in this video and it was like hard for me to do, but like I was like shaking for a couple of days afterwards, but I felt so free of it. And then I, I, I got to have these conversations with my parents afterwards where I'm like, Oh my God, I am free of this wow. certain kind of fear that was always like, and now that's no longer with you. Not really. No. I mean, it's obviously it's, kind of who we are is who we are to a large extent, but like, it's not, it doesn't hold me. It doesn't Mm -hmm. captivate me. I'm able to kind of see and go like, we've talked, like move aside for a second. I need to kind of, you know, move forward. Wow. But yeah, it's a, it's really, it's a fascinating thing. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, there's again, (laughs) some are like fuck, fucking weird, man. (laughs) Like I can tell you some, but like they're like they're insane. I I feel like people should maybe just watch the documentary. I will I will absolutely watch it. I think I'm down to try anything in order to get. Well, I'm not down to try anything. I'm down to try anything in the comfort of my own home with the one professional. Okay, so you're definitely not down to try anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just I my social anxiety is getting really bad. Why do you think it's getting worse? I don't know. I can tell you exactly why. Tell me. You fucking live in a little fortress and on Instagram all the time. Okay. So, okay. Wow. Laced with judgment. <laughs> no, it's not. So wait, so basically you're, you're saying exposure therapy is what I need. I, I'm not sure what you need. I think. Why, why is being in my, my own comforts bad? It's not bad. But you just said that your social anxiety is getting worse. Be, and well, I'm just because telling it's, you. The reason why I do this is because my social anxiety is bad. Okay. So, uh, so, so you're I'm, hiding. No, you're, no, no. I'm, I'm, it's, I think it's self-care. Well, is it not? I mean, I, it depends on what you're using it for. Like everyone needs their space to retreat to, right? Like that's a, it's a great place to come and like have self-care in this space, right? But if you're using it to just like, you know, block yourself in from the world, that's going to the next step. That's a little too far. Agreed. And I'm still a person in the world, but I think it's like there's, you just said you wouldn't do this. I wouldn't. There was a person in this space, one person, not my space. Like I would go out into the world to do this, but I think I just, I can't be around that many people. Right. And it's so, cause I'm so in my head about yeah. judgment and I'm, yeah. I'm judging myself and it's just, it's good. It would be too detrimental to, for me. I mean, I definitely think exposure therapy to some extent because you can't get past this unless you get out there and just see, it's just so fascinating to me that you, you feel this way because I, I, I don't think you at all, like at all understand the experience you give other people. What does that, what do you mean? No one, would think that this is true about you if they met you. 
Like you are oh, like a person. When I meet people. You are not awkward in any way. Well, that's you, cool. You're you're super fun. You're very present and engaging. You're kind of a life of the party. No one I'm is, the life of the party. Yeah. When you want to never. Be. Yeah, of course. You're not like I'm not well, saying you're the person like you're not dancing on a table like with a fucking lampshade on your head. <laughs> but I would love to see that. <laughs> But like you are, you're, I just yeah, remember, yeah. Like okay, remember yeah, when present. Jeff Chan and I came to like that pool party and you were like, yes. sit on the, the, the dime board and like hear the rules of the game and everything. You look like you like commanded the space. Because that's a game. Yeah. But even still you were like, you're, it, it's, you play the character of someone who doesn't have social anxiety when you're in those spaces so well. I wonder if that's because I've had to do it for so long. Maybe like, so. Like I've been in leadership positions since I was young, like as, right. as an Aries overachiever, I kind of like. Oh it, God. <laughs> Don't you fucking look at me. <laughs> no, it's like, I, I kind of like fall into those roles. And also because I do have a lot of ideas and I like things a specific way. So right. it's kind of like, I, I have to kind of be a leader at some point. Yeah, sure. And you, you're a great leader. You're Thank really you. good at it. But I wonder how much of it is, what you really want to do is find a place to lead where you're not showing that you're a leader, but really just are naturally. And yeah. you're just completely confident. And that's kind of what bouncing your biotypes all about. But it's like one of those things where you have all the skills. They're all there. But like the fact that you still feel so, and I've seen, I've seen you like get really in your head for a very small thing. Yes. Like a party or like, yeah. sometimes just you and me. And I've been like, oh, this is like so not what you'd expect even like looking. It's just so. I remember one time we went to a party uh -huh. and I, I think I was like, so I felt like, so that I shouldn't be there. You want like, Atwater? A, uh, Silver Lake. He was like, uh, okay. it was a party that you had brought me to, but like all of your writer friends, all of these comedians, all these people that have like so many accolades and just like funny people. And so I was like, oh, I definitely don't belong here. And so I got in, there was like a million people there. And I think I left for like 45 minutes and then I like finally came back because it was just one way too many people. But I also like didn't know, I didn't know who to talk to. And I was like, mm. nobody will want to talk to me. I remember also another, uh, another one of our friends, we went to the Virgil for some sort of like networking event, but we were just hanging out, having dinner. He was like, I got to stop by here. Let's go. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. I'll go. And then I was like, I obviously don't want you to introduce me to anyone because everybody here is like a comedy person. And why do they want to meet someone that's not a working comedian who doesn't even like do anything in comedy? You know, I was like, they're not going to want to remember my name because they don't give a shit about me. Look at this fucking belief you have about yourself. Listen to this. But that's no, I'm saying because that's like. <laughs> listen to this. I mean, it's, so but much. it's also Los Angeles. Like if you like people literally don't care about you unless you have like a specific amount of accolades. Great. So don't care about them. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. So like when I was going to this party, I was like, I don't care to meet you. Cause you obviously don't care about me. But I think you're also just saying that without knowing. Cause that's, I, yeah, who knows true. that's true. Like, I'm at those parties. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, but you're accolades. a working, talented comedian. Of course, they would want to meet you. No, but I'm saying I would be there. So if I'm there, and like if you looked, if you came to that party not oh, knowing see. me, I see. And you thought that I'll you're right. Yeah, you, you want to know a little secret? I'm jumping the gun. Can I tell you a secret? And the shark. You're jumping that shark and gun. <laughs> that shark has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about this recently because there's something that I find I've noticed this in the past few years, especially whether it's a new friend or a date or something. I think comedy, because I know that you're very, you want people to find you funny. Like that seems to be yeah. something. Which I, is so crazy. Yeah. Because why? So this Maybe is- Maybe because I is, like it so this much. This is I huge. Know. I have noticed that people really want to be funny. Funny seems to be hugely commodified right now. I 
don't like funny people. I know you don't. In fact, a lot of people who are funny, all they want from people are people who aren't funny. It's just like, it is, I I think, and it's like, I have a lot of my friends are are funny. Like a lot of people I know are super funny and I love them. But if you're funny, it kind of means a few things about you that aren't great. First of all, it means you're a little bit self-absorbed. Because when you are being funny, you are kind of looking for a laugh. Like there is a way to do it like um, Mm. in a way that's not super self-absorbing. But most of the time, funny people are people who are, because they're trying to like, oh, what's what conversation is happening right here? Great. How can I twist it to this kind of other place? You sort of have to take it to this like personal other place and like bring people out of what's going on to then comment on it. That's what kind of humor sort of is. So there is a self awareness and uh, uh, just like there's just a bit of ego associated with comedy in general and that's why a a lot of people who uh, are not funny are like the best people in the world is because it's like like my mom doesn't know how to tell a joke but it's because she's never thinking about herself and how she can Mm. create like a something funny in a group she's just trying to help just like create a, a, a great experience for everyone in like a very positive way and if something funny happens great but if not she won't go out of her way to do it. So that's the first thing is that like, there's a sense of like selfishness a bit when someone's funny. The second thing is comedians don't have to be like total depressives, but you're kind of looking for what's wrong in right. the world. That's what being funny is. It's like pointing out like what's wrong is like, and sometimes it can be something that's really wrong. But like, if you're talking to someone, even when we're talking right now, it's like every time you fuck up a word, I jump on it, right? Mm-hmm. That's just sort of something small that's wrong. Or if like, I just sort of have this comment because I mean, just comedy is a pie in the face. It's like slipping on a banana peel. It's like things are fine. No, they're not. And that's what like all comedy is to some extent, sometimes in a really like, like both specials, like here's what's wrong in the most fucked up way. And sometimes it's just sort of like, Oh, this is like little awkward humor. Like, and then like right. things are life is just sort of a straight and narrow path. And when it goes out of the way, that's what's funny. So I guess what I'm trying to say is funny people are often super selfish and looking for what's wrong in the world. And it's a pretty like depressing, myopic place to be sometimes. Yeah. So often when we're searching for other people to be around, we just want like kind, soft people who aren't funny, who just like, who are like want to help us like just be in the moment. And like, I don't, a lot of comedians I know, I don't laugh with in real life because it's just sort of like, it's just two people kind of sparring and they're kind of in their own head about this and I'm in my head about yeah, this. Yeah, that was the worst. People, what was the worst? Just like when I, I notoriously, I guess, used to date comedians and like I remember one time dating the stand-up um, and we were in a diner and it was like after one of his shows and I used to, I would go, see, I would support people out in the world in places I would be uncomfortable. I'd go to comedy clubs. Came to our shows? That's right. Oh, I love your shows. You got on stage at our show. You did well, super bass. I, yeah, I would never speak on stage at a comedy show, but I would da- background dance behind you. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. So, and I will, oh, you know what? I'll probably never dance again unless you ask me to. Wow. <laughs> like what power? Like, I hope everyone listens to this episode and they're not, like, not like, who dance- is this guy? <laughs> not like dance monkey dance, but like, you're like, oh, we're like performing. <laughs> But a little bit. Where you're like, oh, I will we're, never we're dance perform- again unless I ask you to. What I feel fucking. I mean, like as empowered. a Britannic show, not literally perform for me. I would be like, no, uh-huh. you do it in front of me. You do it. <laughs> 
But I just remember being at this diner and it was like him and three other people that were on the show and it was legit like bit central. And yeah, I just, I was so over it. I was like, yeah. and it was like bad food. And so I wanted to leave. But it's like, I don't know if your superpower is being kind of, I mean, you are really funny. You recognize humor. You're incredibly good at sparring. Like it's, it's crazy. Oh, that's good. But it's also like, part of me is like, I don't know if that's good. Oh, was that not good? <laughs> well, because I'm just like, I'm not looking for that person in my life. Yeah. Like, and like a lot of comedian people, funny people aren't looking for that. Like I, it's funny also, I laugh the most with non-comedians. People who aren't funny, who can just be like silly and present with me. Yes. I laugh I think, so hard. I think when silly are, is better than funny. Silly is a million times better than funny yeah. in my opinion. I'm definitely silly. You are so silly and it's the funniest you ever are when you're silly in my yeah. opinion. You are like cool. super ridiculous like did she bonk her head as a child silly like you are crazy <laughs> yeah i do feel like maybe i did bonk my head <laughs> you're bonker what okay. are you doing with your so foot? i have a um this is a we are now doing a visual bit that you can't see but this is um this is a 1970s italian lamp but is I, everything from the 70s here um in this corner Oh. Yes, this is my 70s corner. This, I, this is amazing. We are laying down doing this podcast and I am. Ha I, I told you, I was like, this is like the podcast where I feel like people are just going to like open up so much if they can just like be in this position. Yeah, because it's I almost feel, like therapy. You're I literally feel so laying down. loose. Like the words coming out of my mouth, like That's so lips. great. Well, that's the thing. Like this podcast is like maybe three years old and I'm trying to figure out a way to have like a resurgence for it because Did I don't it know. Die? Well, no, I just feel like I am doing so many things and my attention is so split that I, I don't feel like really that present in some of the things that I've been doing for a long time. Mm. And so with just a tip specifically, I'm like, oh, it's time to to have some sort of like, I don't know, like surge of different energy. Mm. And I'm just trying to figure out like what that is. Right. And so maybe that is the the layout. Like we are literally, it's like an L-shaped couch awesome. in a corner next, underneath a window. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's very like, nice. I, I, I want to just take a nap here. Yeah. Hey, I'm the fifth, this is my fifth time on your podcast. Am I the most? You might be, but you might not be. Hmm. It's either you, Amanda, or Addie. Hmm. But I think it might be you. Better be. But yeah, I'm just, I also like, I don't know how you feel. I'm sure you feel different than you did three years ago, but like I started this three years ago. Yes. I'm so different now. How are you different? <sighs> how much time do we have? Like I- uh, It's your podcast. I literally, I mean, at some point we are going to eat pasta. Oh, I cannot wait to go to Alacoa. <laughs> that's that's going to be like podcast ver version two. That's when we're really going to dive deep into like my ugly parts. <laughs> yes. All right. Guys, Strap don't worry. I'll, I'll record it on my iPhone. <laughs> You can see Megan's ugly parts on biotypical. Maybe I should show more of my ugly, because now that you mentioned that, like that, going back to when you were like, you you tell your ugly parts, like I'm having a bad day, this and that, but like I never show. But I also like Instagram is so visual that like, I don't think that would be. Can I tell you a big part of it, I think? Yes. That you're a girl. I think you, a lot of the girls I know who are on Instagram and have been for a long time, it's just like you, you grew up in this society that was like, be pretty. Like it's just yeah. guys aren't told yeah. like put a put a nice like filtered photo up of you like looking sexy. We're not told that. Like we're told like be weird and it's like fine. And so it's like you don't see it as often with us. And it's it's much easier for us to like get out of that thing. But it's like I feel like you, you know, you started your image young mm -hmm. when you were just trying to like get popularity and look good in a certain way. And 
that's still there a little bit because of course it is and that's how you got accolades and you probably created another belief about yourself once that started you know working about well this is how I've gotten you know money in my career started so that's who I am and so that's probably still in you a little bit so it's like it's it's, yeah. it's got to be hard I think about that all the time how like how trapped you must feel sometimes because like you have created an image for yourself that is so big and there's so much you, you know, it's gotten you these jobs and you're on the show now. And it's like amazing what it's done for you that the idea of, I think you crave authenticity and yeah. finding yourself in a bit. I think there's a part of, there's a part of your brain that's like, let's just blow it all up and move somewhere and don't totally. ever talk to me again. And there's a part of your brain that's like, you can't ever do that. And it's like, yes. I bet you feel like you're a bit in a prison a bit. And I, 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 I feel for that sometimes because I don't like that you probably feel like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to help. <laughs> and it's yeah. one of those things where the I, all I know is the longer you do it mm-hmm. and get and stay in this world of performing online for all these people, I, I just don't want it to be like the harder it comes to, to get out of. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, well, you know, what's interesting. My most liked photo on Instagram is one of me ugly crying. Because yeah. I did like a, there, there was this uh, hashtag going around that was like 20, 2009 versus 2019. Yeah, I remember that. And so like, I, it was like this horrific photo of me in, in 20, uh, 2009 in a comedy club. I was watching Tony do stand up in Florida. Uh-huh. And, um, where's that boy? Where's that boy? I don't know. He's been very busy lately, which we love for him. So I was, um, that was on the left hand side. And then the right hand side was me literally like in my car, ugly crying after, um, Irene had quit. Mm. It was like, so I was, I was consistently crying. And so I was like, Oh, this is funny. Put it up like 80,000 likes, which is like way more than I'm ever How used to. How'd that make you feel that you put up that photo and I got that many likes? Um, good, because I was being honest. Yeah. Do you know what my um, impression of those moments are? Of what moments? When you put things like that online that are honest? really honest. Yeah. What? I go, why did she put that online and not call me if she's having this bad of a day? <gasps> and that's, you know that like Addie and I have talked about that before. It's yeah. one of those things where I'm like, why is she reaching out to you're beautiful fans, by the way. You guys are all beautiful. <laughs> but like, there's something that to me, it's like, are you, it's like that you, you can, one phone call to Amanda can get you so much more than a post but, so of anything. What's interesting is I do both. Good. Because I, I'm talking to my friends about what I'm going through. I'm not disclosing everything that's happening on the internet. I'm just kind of going like, this is what's happening. Also sending this to you if you need it. Right. Because like, I know that I, like I've, made this, this kind of corner for myself and my audience of like being very in tune with our feelings and our, mm-hmm. uh, our emotions and authenticity. It's like, I also want to show that someone that they think is famous or has however many followers that like they can have these days too. And they're not alone. Mm. So I think it's from a different lens, maybe from like you looking at it and being like, well, why doesn't she reach out to her real life people? Right. It's more so of just like still leading by example and showing people that like, yeah, this is like a normal thing. I think that's a really nice sentiment to have. And I think that's a really great thing to have, especially for your fan base to know those things. Yeah. I would say the thing that I would be careful about is a lot of our most vulnerable moments, like kind of, I think should be sort of 
kept intimate and only shared with certain people. Mm. So it's like leaking that energy out to all these people who don't know you. I can sometimes be, a again, like there's something really wonderful about showing the real version of you, but like, you know, let's bring it back to Bo. Bo showed all of us a very, very raw side of him. I bet you it took a fucking crazy toll on him. Like I bet you like that mm. making that special came at a price. And not to say yeah. that it's like, oh God, he's not okay. But like, there is something about like revealing so much to the world where it's like perhaps keeping it sacred with a few people is actually what helps that energy kind of like, I don't know, build in the, in the right way and find figure itself out. So I, it, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. I'm not in your position. I've never done that before, but like, my first instinct is like, be careful with just showing, being honest versus showing too much of you. Because I, I mm. have done things where I've like started like being vulnerable on stage in my stand up. I started realizing like, oh, there are some things where it's like, this isn't for them. Oh, this is like for me. And some things are, I'm totally okay. And I'm like, I actually, I got to have a good handle. And this is like deep and um, really ugly part of me, but I'm ready to kind of show this. And there's some parts where I'm like, that wasn't meant for them. That was. But how do you decide what that line is as an artist? Because isn't art being open and vulnerable and ugly and sharing that so that other people can understand that emotion or know that they're not alone or, you know, start to ask questions like where, how do we do this as artists? I think if it's at expense of your own mental health, it's kind of, um, it's not, uh, it's kind of irresponsible. I mean, the internet in general is, is I think the internet's mental- irresponsible. I, I absolutely am like, I mean, you know how I feel. I'm trying to not be yeah. as judgmental because you know that I have been in the past and it's like, I, I, I don't want to be. But like, I, I think there's a way that, and again, it's one of those things where I think you know when you are kind of, going a little crazy and putting something out there and you're kind of doing it to get like the, the adulation from it. And you know that like you haven't really worked through it yet versus this is a part of me. I've figured out a lot of it. I have a good support system with it. I've crafted it into something artistic and I am ready to be vulnerable with it in a way that is, I am being safe with who I am still. Mm. There's a difference. And it's, it took me a while to kind of find that on stage a little bit, but yeah, uh, and everyone again also has their own boundaries of what that is, depending on who you are as a person. Some people are just kind of by nature able to show a bit more to themselves and not lose themselves in that. Some people kind of privacy is very important to them, so it's like knowing who you are and not fucking with your own boundaries just because you feel like you need to be. Yeah, that's what's so interesting too, because like I am such, I'm such an advocate for mental health and mental awareness. And yeah. so if I'm I'm explaining kind of all of these intricacies of navigating it, then I don't know, it just it felt very in line with that. So I'm wondering I don't know, what is my I don't know, I feel like my purpose is to help others by opening up. So right. if that is my purpose, then then what should I have done? Right. You know? If your purpose is to help others, then what is... Open what? others by opening up myself. Right, right. So, like, I'm showing, like, the... Uh, one time I um 
I was like going through a little bit of anxiety and I like, I was like, this is what's important to film. Cause like mm-hmm. when people are watching, I want them to know like, Hey, th- I'm going through a very anxious spell right now. This is what I'm going to do in order to take care of that. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like a, almost like a how to on right. anxiety. And I got so many comments being like, thank you so much for showing that. Right. Because now, now I don't feel as alone. If I also suffer with GAD or any type of anxiety disorder, right. then I understand that like, this is, this is real. Right. And so I, I guess my question is like, in your, in your mind, maybe you see it differently than I do. Because when I did that on, on the internet, on YouTube, like it was, people were like, thank you so much for being open. Right. And so when I do that on Instagram, I, maybe it, it doesn't come across the same. No, I mean, I'm not commenting on any particular video or anything, but like, yeah, I mean, and that, that might've been something great. Like that might've been a thing that obviously helped a lot of people. Yeah. And you might've been like, that was fucking, I, I love showing that side of me. I'm, I'm not like, that's not a problem at all. Like that might've been one where you're like, I kind of have a handle on this. I kind of know how to cultivate this into a video and put this out and help people. And that might've been great. But if then the next day you woke up and you're like, I fucking hate that I show that. Totally. Oh my God, what the fuck? I can't do that. That's when you have to be like, okay, well maybe that's not for these people yet at least. Right, 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 right. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's such a, this is such new territory, the internet. You know, we, we are kind of in this space now where I think it's really popular to say mental health is everything. Everyone show all the time how not okay you are. Like mm. that's been a thing that I've just seen everyone start doing. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. From com- comedians who are never like that now doing that and stuff. And I'm like, yes, it's so nice to talk about mental health, but there now becomes this, uh, it's almost swung to a direction where I'm like, now are people performing their unhealthy sides? Right. Is that now like becoming commodified in the way that it used to be like how pretty I am now is like, look how ugly I am. But like kind of for like a bit of the same reasons. I don't know. Again, it's different for how everyone does it. You're absolutely right. Cause I'm not on Twitter often, but when I am, it's like, there's so many memes and viral tweets about like truly not treating your mental illnesses. Yes. And, and that like gets the joke that gets the laugh. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, Oh, this isn't, healthy. Like there's one that goes around all the time that I used to think was funny. And now I'm like, so over it. Something about, um, it's like a a dialogue between therapist and client. And it's like, and what do we say when this happens? Um, and then it's like the client says like time to go online shopping. And Mm -hmm. it's like, no. And it it just makes me, I'm (laughs) explaining it horribly, but I just, I, I don't like it. Yeah. And I don't like when, I don't know. This is like that, that bothers me a lot. I think you're absolutely right with like, everyone's just like highlighting how not fine they are. Right. And also going back to, um, when I was creating, because I was so inspired by Bo's special that I started like uh, doing doodles and, and drawings and stuff and writing down some stuff. And I was like, well, is it good enough if I'm not like wretchedly in pain? You know, like it's like, Oh, I want it to be like writhing in some sort of emotion. Right. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes my doodles are just kind of like off the, off the, like off the dome, whatever I'm thinking in that moment. That's kind of like silly and weird and a play on words like Dimitri Martin style. Yeah. And guess what? Do you look at Dimitri's shit and go, what? This guy's not, doesn't want to talk about the end of the world. Fuck this book. <laughs> yeah. No, you go, you love the puns and how silly it is. And yeah. like, it's a little bit satirical here and a little bit goofy here. There's room for every every type of art, which is going yeah. back to when I was saying like, it's easy to see something like both special and be like, I bet you were going to see an influx of like really, really sharply depressing 
aggressive comedy. I I wonder if it's people thinking that if it's not so achingly depressive or like really, really self-aware that it's not important or good enough. Sure. I'm sure that's it. But like when Steve Martin came out in the late seventies and was doing like weird, absurdist clown shit, everyone's like, well, that's what comedy has to be. If it's not that it's not good enough. And so every time there's like kind of a person who does something really well and what they are meant to do it. Cause that's how Bo is. Mm. That's why it's so good. If it's not you, it's going to look very bad. I've often admired the angry choleric comedians, whether it's Bo or George Carlin or someone. And I had to learn on stage, Brian McElhaney yelling about something isn't, people get a little upset because that's not who I really am. I get frustrated with things, but there's much more of a buoyancy to me. And I used to try to dampen that because I was like, no, being like fucking like dark and like whatever, that's like what makes good comedy. And it's not, what makes good comedy is good comedy through the vessel of you, however it is. Right. Or the good art in any way. And so I think that's like the big thing is like, who is Megan? What do you really, what is your experience that you bring to people and how does it come through you? Like that's whatever that is, is the best thing you can do and the only thing that you can do. And that's when Bo will look at what you do and go, fuck, I can never do that. <laughs> so for, to wrap this up before we eat loud, loads of pasta, I was going to say mounds and loads and I kind of went loud. <laughs> What if someone is trying to create something and they're they're really inspired and they're trying to like understand themselves and their voice and their vessel in order for something to come naturally through them, what would your main piece of advice be in order to like find what that is authentic to them and, and, and put it out? You know it. You know exactly what it is. You've been a kid. You've played around with things. You know what interests you had before you know, middle school and high school set in, you started developing this ego based on what you think you should do or who you think you should be. You had a playful side of you that was always looking to do something, whether it was to do puzzles or whether it was to draw or whether it was you were the fucking like life of the party and you just had this insatiable spirit and energy. That's still in you. And you know, like when the cameras turn off and you're alone in your room and you're kind of bored and you kind of have an inkling to do something a little bit artistic, you know what that is. I can't help you, but you can. And I just, just sit with that because you know exactly what it is. And uh, it, it might change through your life, but it's one of those things where it's 2 a.m. and you can't sleep and you got to just turn on the light because you got to just sort of like figure this thing out artistically. That That's a really good starting point that thing that you just like you just lose you forget to eat all day because you just you're stuck in it because it's just so so engrossing for you but yeah just remember how you how you played before you um before you knew how to put this mask on to pretend who you were remember how you played when you were just you and that will give you a big hint to what your creative person and ideas and life force will be as an adult Amazing. I almost wanted to like play an outro while you were speaking, like a big, like a piano interlude <laughs> behind, like a, a Please nice. Please do. <laughs> it's all this couch, man. Oh my God. I almost broke everything. Brian McLean, I think this is the longest podcast I've ever done. This was a really good conversation, amazing. Megan. Amazing. I really like talking to you. You're the best. Thank you. And did you want to reciprocate? Oh, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> I love talking to you. You're the best. I'm so glad that we have this friendship where we can discuss everything. It it really is very invaluable to me. And I think you're 
uh, I'm imp- always, I'm so monumentally impressed with you and everything you're trying to create in your life. And I know you struggle a lot with it, but I, I, I know you're going to get somewhere so amazing with it because you already have, and you have such a desire to keep going. And it's like one of those things where I just can't see you ever giving up on becoming like the best version of yourself and the way that you project yourself out in the world. So keep going, keep searching. We'll talk again soon. Oh my God. Au revoir. Au revoir. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. If you want to send in any questions, DM me at Just a Tip Podcast on Instagram and the next guest or myself, we will dive into any of your queries. If you want to follow Brian, you should. He is one of my favorite people, such a good artist. You've already fallen in love with him by listening to this audio. So make sure to check out him. I'll put his links in the show notes. Check out his podcast, Biotypical, which apparently I'm going on very soon. So fingers crossed that I have some sort of breakthrough. Okay, we'll see you next time on Just a Tip. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.